You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Right, Blues CFL podcast. I'm Oz Davis. I'll be your co-host for the show, and as always, is my co-host out there in Wisconsin, loving the still defending champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Joe Pitch. Joe, how are you this week? I think you said it pretty okay. well. All right, now because of the Labor Day defending game, champions, this is a short defending week for Labor this Day podcast. champions, defending anyway? Western Conference champions, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they gave us a bye uh, day, right? Because Friday was the Adams Cup. So, Sunday at and then there was nothing on to all the way through yesterday. So, yeah, it's all here? fresh. Wait, wait. There's no games on this day. That was that just weirded me out. I got so right. <laughs> yeah, I told my wife you had exactly. you can do anything exactly. you want. You can play anything you want all day Saturday. Let's talk and most of the day Sunday. But Sunday at five o'clock, I'm in my cave. I am watching the Bob fantasy football team. What were your results last? Oh. Things are starting to get back to where they actually are supposed to be. Uh, dropped another one to Mike Ticats this week. So sitting at two and three, but only one game out of first because we have a car crash at three and two for first place. So still a long <laughs> season, still a chance for me to somehow make the miracle happen or there's also the possibility that I don't win another game the whole rest yeah, of the season. Sounds a so, little bit like I, I, most if, of the if I'm a betting man, I go to the ladder. Now, it's anybody's the game right third now. Yet, way so for their we'll season see. would be there are 63 games this year, so it'd be 21 cumulative games. We're right about at that point. Okay, at this point, we would normally be talking about tiers in the CFL. Questions to you, Joe. Are there any inevitables with one third season done? The two things that are inevitable right now, based off of what we have seen, mm, okay, so is that Winnipeg is going to have a good record and Ottawa is going to have a bad record. The rest of it, God help us Dumping all. Dumping it out of the bye week to Winnipeg was a blip. You think it's an indication that Winnipeg is that much better than Saskatchewan? I think it's an indication that Winnipeg can back up their talk. Because uh, if you were listening or late last week in the social media sphere, you would have seen Willie <laughs> Jefferson basically playing the card that every caller to the Paul okay. Feinbaum show tends okay. to play. They ain't played My nobody, Paul. Similar, but I do see the and tears. And then they went out and backed that up. 
And I think that basically those tiers are tier three is your Ottawa Red Blacks. Tier one, I still have the riders in there along with Bob. I'm going to reserve judgment till next week. And then I literally think everybody else is in that section. I think no one is distinguishing themselves. The Elks played really well this week, but they've got that bear trap now coming up because of the reschedule. And one good result is not a great cup contender make, in my opinion. I think they're going to have to, again, we have this motif of proving yourself. I think they still have more to prove. We'll see what they do in the rematch, for example. But I, I don't know. Can you, for example, make any sense out of the apparent logjam in the East? The sense I have right now East is that the standings say that Hamilton, Montreal, and Toronto are all tied. I think having seen what I've seen over the past couple weeks is that Toronto is next year's sleeper. This year it's going to be Hamilton and Montreal in a race at the top. Hamilton's your more consistent but a little bit less explosive team. Whereas Montreal is a team that could beat anybody on any given day, but could also lose to anybody on any given day. So if they can, if Montreal could put together enough good days against Hamilton, they could sneak away with the East. I think Toronto plays this group tough. I don't think they, I don't think they emerge above those two, but it's a lot closer than we would have thought at the beginning of the season, as far as that goes. But I do think Toronto's got themselves from. Basically nothing going into last wow, last, year, last year's off season to now they've built themselves a nice base to build off of. Mm-hmm. And Toronto Toronto is consistent right quarterback play and we'll a little moment, bit of seasoning for some of the young players they found from the game, being a contender between the Elks and the Argonauts. Earlier this year, the officials at the CFL, I guess, thought this over and decided on a reschedule, shuffling the stuff to mid-November and resulting in, of course, the Elks having to play three games in seven days, which is what CFL Twitter was talking about there for a couple of days during the break between our shows. The Elks, Argos, and BC Lions, the teams involved in the schedule shakeup, will all be allowed to take on five extra players for those people. I'm wondering if we're going to see the CFL return of Johnny Manziel. No, just kidding. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, and the Elks are not necessarily my worst enemy. Anyway, uh, I was prepared going into this week to talk about, since the Elks <laughs> having lost this game, that, well, I guess it's pretty irrelevant that by that point we'll be playing for next year anyway. However, they showed up well against the Stamps, what do you think is going to come of this down the stretch? Well, there were a lot of people clamoring for a forfeit, and for good reason in my in my estimation, given that it was one team that caused the issue, and 
obviously nobody went out and got sick on purpose, but apparently there were breaches in protocol. One team breached protocol, one team didn't. So the fact of the matter is that people are going to believe that the Elks deserved a forfeit. I believe, having some time to sit and marinate in this, though, I think that what the league did actually beyond <laughs> it's still going to cost the Elks that game because there's no way on God's green earth they're going to win their second game in three days. Um, so that's basically writing the forfeit in while providing your TV partners and your teams with extra revenue and getting the players paid, which may be the best uh, best thing that could have happened out of a bad situation. Now, what Edmonton needs to do in this stretch of three games in seven days is pretend they have two. The one before the, the, the Saskatchewan game and the BC game. What they need to do in the middle game against Toronto is play every backup they possibly have, use those extra roster spaces as uh, uh, for players that, uh, especially on your lines, you definitely don't want your lines playing game, three games three games in seven days basically if i'm in Edmonton's shoes i'm conceding tuesday's game against against toronto letting trying to see how many young players can step up and play um see what they can do basically make it a preseason game start the backup quarterback uh use the one game in injury list liberally and yeah. maybe even cross the line a little bit with it uh, and make sh- and bring most of your practice squad up. Use those extra five <laughs> spots. Bring the rest of it up. Make it a glorified preseason game. Toronto still gets its ticket revenue. TSN still gets its game. Edmonton still gets its loss, and everybody gets paid. And the bonus for Edmonton is that they get to have a look at a, a live game situation for some players they might not have had another chance to do so. That's what I would do with their shoes. Now, if there's a playoff spot up for bid and there's and Dakota every point counts, maybe they do it differently. But if they're in that yeah, situation anyway, right, it's kind of their own fault. That'll be interesting. But that is actually a very good take on that. A backup quarterback it's that's been, for that's them been around that a little the BC bit. BC Lions is the second game. Because actually, with those mm-hmm. extra five spots, in a way, for that second game, right? Yeah, it goes Saskatchewan on Saturday, Toronto on right. Tuesday, right. and so BC later that week. Players now, what is that Friday or Saturday? Yeah, so players, I get what you mean. The five, the second game where there's five extra roster spots, new players in that second game. Because you're not going to pick up five players and start them. You're going to pick up five players and have backing up the proper starters who are now the second string. Those guys are third stringers playing second string. But by shuffling guys in and off the practice squad, they could literally have 10 fresh players in that second game against BC. So be interesting to see how they play it. But yeah, that's actually a really clever idea. Well, I'm glad I asked that, Joe. Right. Yes, because then at that point, 
you're not destroying your player's health at the very end of the season. You're taking your forfeit, but making something Super a bit unexpected. We picked the other two teams, let's put it that way. Two teams that had a bye came out limp and lost. Three games hit on the open, but not the one that most people probably would have picked to go over. Great day for the CFL, or great week for the CFL, I should say. Bad week for CFL Pick'em. What else is new? So let's go on to last week's games. One of my favorite games of the weekend, sort of a Montreal Alouettes 51 at Ottawa Red Blacks 29. This one was 27-13 So let's go on to last week's games. Unlike the famous motto, this lead was safe. We actually got this up to 41-13 before Matt Schultz came in. Aside from the fact that the Red Blacks just aren't very good, what did you take away from? this game. Well, Vernon's got his confidence back, which is just gigantic, because he's going to take that team as far as that team is going to go. They have a lot of talent, but this is VA's team until the end. Uh, So him getting back into feeling like he's playing good football is a scary thing for the rest of the league. I think as far as my biggest takeaways from this game, though, is that Ottawa might have found themselves a starting quarterback they didn't expect to have starting. Uh, Matt Nichols got pulled very early in this game. It's just clear at this point that he's just not... It, he doesn't fit what what's going on in Ottawa. Whether there's an injury, whether the scheme that Paul Opelis works so well in Winnipeg, does it work with the players in hand in Ottawa? It's really early to say that kind of thing, but they're not having they weren't having any success moving the ball with Nichols and the moment they put Dominic Davis in, yes, Davis is has the tendency to make mistakes and throw interceptions, but he also has the tendency to move the ball. So you take the good with the bad here and at least have a chance went by moving the ball and hoping you can keep the mistakes to the minimum with Davis. Uh, I'm really hoping that this isn't the last we've heard I, from Matt Nichols because he's a you, big, you big part of what happened in Winnipeg over the past five years. In the need but I just have to wonder if it that, is. Well, that's the end as a start for Nichols in the CFL. Just is. I mean, part of you wants to say that. A very large part of you wants to say that. I mean, again, you have to remember he last played by the calendar like two years ago almost. You know, there was a big gap for this guy. And, I mean, imagine if he had been playing that whole time. He hadn't gotten injured and he had been playing that whole time. There might still be this downgrade, but it'd be the gradual thing. Right? You know, it's like the old uh, frog in the boiling water thing. Right? Could be. And it also might maybe, be maybe, hidden maybe by passed, you know, on the, more on talented players around him playing games, a scheme he's playing a scheme they're more familiar the with. You know, and, and you can kind of see it in the CFL. There's, there's a lot of young quarterbacks stepping up. And, you know, maybe the older guys aren't done yet. Maybe the Michael Rileys and Bo Levies aren't done yet. But I think they've peaked. <laughs> you know, this seems to be the inference. You know, maybe one of them will pull a break. Maybe one of them will be around to their 42, 43, or a flutie might be more appropriate. 
you know, stick around forever, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think that, you know, these guys, their time passes. It's a tough game. It's a tough game, and you age quickly, most of us, most of them. Uh, in this game. I I guess, as a fan, my, my biggest takeaway was to try not to take it too seriously, because, again, I really don't think the Red Blacks are a very good team. You talked about their quarterback. I was somewhat surprised to hear in the third quarter that they had scored their first passing touchdown of the year. And I knew they hadn't been scoring that many points, but I had forgotten that they had yet to score a passing touchdown. So, but still, there are a long ways away. Um, what I, what I took away, my, my best take, not taking it too seriously, was to stand back. Again, I mean, you just gotta love this. I was actually surprised. I looked at the stats today. And, uh, you know, this game, yeah, 7.2 yards per carry, I think, on 16, 15, 16 carries. And uh, I was shocked to find out for the season that not only is he only going for 5.8 yards per carry, but this is the worst year that he's had so far <laughs> by that metric. It's like, oh, and really that's all down to that one game against Hamilton when he couldn't do anything. So... I am just loving the year Stan Patton is having. It's just, it's nice when, you know, being a Bombers fan, you can relate. It's nice having that one guy coming out of the backfield that nobody else has. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's just fantastic. Just fantastic to have Stan back around. Um, if this were 20 years ago, he might be in contention for most outstanding player. But I don't think that's going to happen this year. Nah, who knows? He might be the nominee for the ballot. That's true. When all said and done, I do agree that this is Vernon Adams' team. Stand back has just been outstanding again. He needs to score more often. He needs more touchdowns. He had a receiving touchdown in this game, but he needs more running. Right. Okay. Here we go. Here's your game. Winnipeg Blue Bombers 23 at Saskatchewan Rough Riders 8. For me, I'm going to just say it real quick, and then you can you can. Go to your heart's content after this glorious victory for the Bombers. Uh, I just want to say real quick, the thing that struck me about this game is that the Bombers are ahead of everybody else mentally. They don't make any dumb mistakes whatsoever, and they're smart when they do. I shouldn't say they don't make any mistakes, because let's talk about this. In the fourth quarter, they're, uh, what, 13-8. They're 13-8. Kind of driving. They're past the halfway point. And then, bam, bam, two dumb penalties on the offense. Second and 23. Okay? And then, sure enough, they just dump it off to who? Weapon X. <laughs> you know, Andrew Harris. Dump it off to him. He catches it at the line of scrimmage. Goes for 17 yards. Not enough to get the first down, but enough to kick the field goal. Up 16 to 8. Another drive ends in the score. And, you know, that's it. The Riders don't score again. You know, they, they, they don't score again. They don't get any closer. I mean, it was just, it was just a smart play call. Well executed. Got just enough to win. Just enough to get the points and take away the W. You know, just fantastic what the team is doing. Just, just mentally at this point, along with all the other great things they're doing on the field. But take it away, Joe. 
there's really not a whole lot more to add on that right. as far as how they've been playing the game lately. Uh, they did need to get smacked around a little bit in Toronto to remind themselves that, hey, we're human and we need to lock in every single week we hit the field. Yeah. And Toronto's good enough to make them pay for that. Um, gosh, it's just the defense was overwhelming. Uh, everybody <laughs> wants to talk about what a bad game Cody Fajardo has. But I don't think any quarterback would have a good game with uh, Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat hanging off their arms the whole game, which is pretty much what happened. Um, Fajardo, Fajardo's interceptions tended to come on plays where he was getting hit as he threw or tip passes and such. I mean, it's not going to be a performance he's going to write home. He's going to want to write home about, mind you. But let's not make too much let's not make too much hay about that the bombers forced them to have a bad offensive game um more so than it was just dumb mistakes and bad passes it was no no the bombers made them throw bad passes by getting in getting getting past that offensive line and getting into Pajaro's face the whole game um Sure, I'm, there's things that they could have done better offensively to score more than eight points, uh, but until they can until they can handle the bookends from from the Bombers' defensive line, they they're not going to have much success doing that. Uh, as for the offense, as for the Bombers' offense, it's the same methodical offense they had um, for the past pretty much five years under Lapo. Uh, just. But they really upgraded the quarterback position, and again, I don't. I really feel like I'm dumping on Matt Nichols this week when I really don't. Not intending to. He did everything he was capable of. But Kolaros gives them just that a little, just I mean, the big what play dimension Kolaros's that wasn't there, as the where Kolaros can go make like a play on his own and not and force his receivers better, to make something out of nothing. Uh, yeah. It, I, I'm trying to be conservative here, but yeah, he's about eight or nine and one. I mean, like, I think he's only lost the one in Toronto. <laughs> there's no mistaken. knock on any other quarterback, but he's just winning with this team. That's it. That's it. You know, it's. Right, he get it, that pass. See that the final touchdown pass was a was a pass yeah. that very few quarterbacks can make. He's also not a guy that's going to go out there and try to win a game by himself. He will use the weapons right. that are available to him, but every once in a while he's going right. to make a throw or get away from a defender and make a play that just makes you go, "Oh my goodness, uh, we sh that right. shouldn't have happened." But right. I will take it. He was doing, and the that's thing. the dimension the Bombers haven't had for oh, I don't know since Kari Jones probably. <laughs> And in Montreal, they'd be throwing the interception. He was actually completing those passes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yep, he was he 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 was putting he put a couple on a dime. Right. That, right. Uh, exactly. You had to be perfect to make it happen. It's kind of reminding me about um, how yeah, how you, I felt you, he was playing back in 2015 like, before he you tore said up You said you didn't have much to add, but you added quite a bit. Uh, oh, go for it. Yes. 
Well, I still even have more to add because I do need to break on a Wisconsin native too. Sean McGuire scoring not one, but two touchdowns, his first two CFL touchdowns in Labor Um, on Labor Day. Yeah, you to score more the, points himself the than the Riders did. I, I have to break on that just a little bit. And uh, there was one <laughs> point early in the game where they showed that front eight, and you're just you're just reminded that this is like an all-star front. I mean, this, that's ridiculous. I mean, because even if you get past those, those, like you said, the bookends on the front four, and then you got Big Hill on the second level, it's like, give me a break. How is anybody playing against this at all? You got to have a serious offensive line to stop that. And I guess, you know. Right. And the, and, and the young secondary too, uh, they had, they've got so yeah. much talent on the, uh, on the offense, uh, yeah. Canadian talent on the offense that they're able to play Brandon Alexander as a safety. And he's playing, better than he's ever played which is saying a lot and then they have a couple of young halfbacks and corners that are just well they haven't been defending champs i don't want to use this word too (laughs) flippantly but they have (laughs) swagger which is something that winnipeg defenders haven't had for a while either (laughs) that the lead might be you know oh my god he's human right but maybe it was about playing the superhuman defense because the th- what really struck me again was that, you know, and I said this, and I know that, you know, this is often said in the situation, but I really felt like the riders didn't want the bye week. They just didn't. They were fired up. Everything was working the way that they did. The defense especially was clicking. They were just playing high tempo every snap. And then they, and they came out flat. They came out flat. I mean, for, again, I th- I think that you're you're putting Winnipeg well well beyond the Riders at this point, but how much of this was just a bad game, or did Winnipeg just expose everything weak about the Riders? Mm-hmm. The Riders do have some trouble on their offensive front because they've replaced four out of five play starters from to, from 2019. So just the the lack of playing together probably hasn't helped when you face when you face a defensive line that can do things like that. Now, I'm not saying that the Riders aren't talented and if we're playing in December against them, I'm not going to sit there and go, "Oh, we're going to win by 40." But until that offensive line gels a little bit more okay, as a so group, and I don't think that's happening in a week, a they're going to have trouble against teams with high-powered defensive lines. Is there an argument for Calaros for MLP? It's a good question. Because if you're going to give MOP to the guy with the biggest stats, it's probably not going to be Caleros. There's too much else going on on that team. But as far as value, if you want to throw in the most valuable player, you can at least talk about it. I'm not going to say yes, yeah. but you can at least talk yeah. about it. Just well, because of how you know, dynamically that weekend, changed when he took over. They hit the MLP. gas and they have had not slowed down since. Stats. He's the quarterback on a very, very good team this year. 
at least, the playoffs. So he was the default, but one game is not enough to knock him out of that. But if it happens a few more times, especially against Winnipeg or Western contender, you got to wonder, do, do you suppose that the MOP is more statistically objective than the NFL MVP? No, I, I think it's just it's just going to be it's going to be a, it's always going to be a player okay. on one of those teams that has put up good numbers. It, it, you, if you put up stupendous numbers because, yeah, on a team that has won a bunch, you're not going to get enough votes. Really blow away stand up. Okay, let's see next game. If there's uh, nobody else, maybe. Gets awoken, thirty-two. Toronto Argonauts nineteen. Uh, at one point late, the Tiger Cats went up. 26 to 4, which is a great CFL score. And it was pretty much over from there again. This lead was safe. Can the Argos possibly still not know what to do at quarterback? I think the answer is actually really, really simple at quarterback. Nick Arbuckle is your future. You're playing you, – you, you want to win this year, of course. You always want to win this year. But I think your win, I think your window really starts to open up next year when you get a little bit more experience behind some of your young bodies and get a little bit more together with all the veterans coming in from all across the league if they're still with the team next year. I, I think they have a better shot at this next year than this year. So I think what you do in Toronto is you play Arbuckle. He's the starter, no questions asked, unless he has like five or six straight games that are just garbage, right? Where it's clear that he's not going to be the guy going forward. But as long as he's your guy going forward, he's a starter. You use McLeod Bethel Thompson, though, when you need a spark. You bring him out of the bullpen. He is your ace. He's your ace in the hole. If Arbuckle's having a tough, tough game, bring in Thompson for a drive in the second quarter, maybe, if you haven't gotten anything going yet. Or you're in this situation where you're down 26-4. to four. Well, let's, it's obvious Arbuckle's struggling in the third quarter here. Let's let, Tom, let's let Thompson take take over, see if he can do something. It's not, it's not a formula that's happened a lot, but, fan, but fans that are older than me could probably harken back to the okay. writers of the We're early 80s the where they used John Hoffnagel and Joe Barnes in a very similar capacity. Where one would start and the other would come out of the bullpen if they needed some a spark. That are around 500? That are around 8 and 6? Wow. Yeah, very much. Very much so. I think I think your playoff teams are your last playoff team is going to be six and eight or even five and nine. Uh, you're going to have one or two teams, depending on if Hamilton or Montreal decides to hit the gas here. Wow. You're going to have one or two teams wow. with ten so that, wins. That last spot is going to get out of time. The rest of them are going to be between five and nine, and then Ottawa <laughs> and maybe BC, but I think BC is better than that. That'll be amazing. You okay. think Pickham's been tough it's this early? Of me Let's to wait until it's like week 14 and everybody's at like, six, is at like six and six. I'm really skeptical about the offense 
still, I mean, in this game, scored a bunch of touchdowns, but one on special teams, one on the pick six. Again, there's nothing from Brandon Banks, or very little, 32 yards. And then the one time he's thrown to in the end zone, couldn't make it work. On the TSM broadcast, they did some analysis. They showed this about how Dave Evans just isn't on the same page with Banks and a couple of the other receivers. Constantly throwing way ahead or behind these receivers, you know, and, and, and guys like Banks are getting open, you know, and I almost feel like it's a matter of time before Banks blows up. This game, four times, four times, overthrown or underthrown to Brandon Banks. So am I right to be cynical about this team? I, it's not just that they're low watt, although they are very low watt. Because to me, the defense just doesn't seem to have that bite it once had either. Or am I just seeing this through, you know, French-Canadian lenses? Uh, possible, because I think with their special teams being kind, kind of being the driving force of waking this team up, They've had a lot of explosive returns over the last few weeks. Uh, and that defense is nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, the offense can take its time to come along. And they can still win games. I think they're... Them... I, I think they're maybe the, one, the most well-rounded team as far as not being below average anywhere. And I say that because I don't think the Bomber special teams is doing all that well this year. That's their flaw right now. Uh, between the field goal kicking game, that's an issue, and the return game that is completely non-existent, uh, Hamilton doesn't have that problem. They, they're above average or should be above average in every facet. Now, I don't think they're, I don't think they have that one thing that's like, oh, extraordinary. But they're not going to be an easy but out. Where do you Once they get Dan the Evans? offense moving a little bit more so, I mean, like, they're going to be a lot more dangerous than you might think they are right back. now. Uh, he's gotten the job done so far. I mean, last year he came in six games into the season, and, and they really didn't miss a beat. This year, when he came off the bench to take over from Mazzoli, they've gotten things moving again. Okay. They haven't been explosive. How they about haven't put up a ton of points, but the they're at least trending in the right direction again. And there's Probably, something to be said in my that. estimation, seems to be the least consistent of the CFL teams. You know, beat a good team, lose to a bad team, not show up one week, show up another week. Of course, this week they had the surprise buy. Uh, you think it would, have, it would help, but not. Again, kind of like Saskatchewan, came out really flat, uh, stayed really flat until it was too late. Um, okay, you said that next June's the year for these guys. Do you see them doing anything else this season? I mean, I mean, can they can they get that six spot? Okay. I very I could definitely see them 
making this a non-crossover year, yes. Whether that's five and nine or seven and seven, I'm not sure. I also don't think it's two and 12 or three and 11 at this point. I think they've proven they can play some. They just happen to be in a division that has the probably the most well-rounded team and the most explosive team in the league. And they happen to get the most well-rounded team three more times. So it's not going to look quite as pretty on the road this year. But that's they're the uh, and they're a nobody knows better a, than the Argos quantum that leap from where they, they were last the year. Playoffs, anything can happen. <laughs> that's how they do it. And wouldn't it be just well, I mean, sweet for them to walk into their opponent's home, home and win a great cup there? They're going After into you've gotten over the, this, this first point of losing, losing to them in the playoffs, you know, of course. And it's like, whatever, minus 20 Montreal. Oh, you know, the Argos, uh, they're going to get crushed. And then, you know, they pull off one of these 110-yard passes, final score is 7-5, to five, you know. <laughs> Montreal loses, you know. Toronto advances, beats Hamilton you know, in Hamilton, and then wins the Grey Cup in Hamilton. <laughs> Why, Joe? Why? Oh, come on, it's your line. Because Tiger Cats can't have nice things, right? Well, we'll see. They're doing their best to make their, themselves yeah. well-rounded, and they right. just went. They just went <laughs> and smoked their rival Lawrence. on Labor Day, right. which okay. they haven't lost Speaking Labor Day at Labor Horton's Day Field yet. So maybe they can have one next nice thing. Elk thirty-two at Calgary Stampeders twenty. In what really kind of at least until the fourth quarter was the game of the week for me anyway. Uh, really quite exciting. I honestly, this, this game was tied going into the fourth i honestly went back and forth constantly as who's going to win this game you know is, is it going to be one of these last position determines the game kind of thing you know? mm-hmm. but edmonton pulled away in the end because of certain weaknesses that calgary has i'll probably talk about that shortly um ironically i thought it was really ironic that okay there are three teams with a bye and the one team that most folks expected to come out the worst for that, Edmonton, you know, looked great. You know, they looked sharp, well sharp, especially compared to those other two teams. Trevor Harris had a monster game. Best game he's had in literally years, I guess we could say. 31 of 41, 398 yards, four touchdowns, no pick against Calgary. For years, Calgary has been able to suppress offenses, you know, great and small, as they might say, you know, and but this year, just not there. And then, of course, they just fell apart in the fourth quarter. Uh, <laughs> James Wilder pulled the nice fat Albert run. That was great. Ran for 29 yards with guys hanging on to him and he's running with the ball. I thought that was fantastic. And uh, But then, you know, right after that, bang, bang, you know, Mike Jones with that 52-yard uh, touchdown catch. You know, this is just not something that happened to Calgary in the good old days. Uh, too bad for the Stamps. They seem to be a three-quarter team this year. I just wanted to say one more thing. 
Uh, shout out to Ernest Edward, the rookie wide receiver for Edmonton this year, who got his first CFL touchdown pass. I gotta say, what the, the name is Ernest Edwards. Has any receiver ever been more destined to play for the EE football team? How awesome is that? So kudos to Ernest Edwards. But what did you take away from this game? Are the Elks the third best team in the CFL? Wow. Okay. Okay. I don't think so. Uh, no, not yet. Because uh, they've been they 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 play the game where fool fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me. Where they came out and were every but kind of kind of the trendy dark horse pick this year, and then just laid an absolute egg at home to Ottawa. Then they come out and just get smoked by Montreal. Then they creep by BC. COVID happens and then. Nobody's expecting anything from them, and then all all of a sudden, oh, there 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 they are. Well, I, I'm I'm not quite. I, I'm and I'm going to pick them this week. I'm just not. I'm just not sure what to make of them. And you know what else? I'm not sure what to make of Calgary either, because I don't think they're. I don't think they're that bad. But their record says they are. I'm not quite sure if it's just a rough stretch that they've just happened to pick the wrong, pick the wrong teams to have that had good games against them. I don't think they're a bad team. <laughs> the only game that they really had a terrible game in was week two, and Bo was playing on a broken leg. So, duh, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, week three, week three, you remember that one? Rookie that has never played in the CFL game before goes out and and helps them win the game. Then they're neck and neck with the Bombers all the way to the final whistle. Like, I thought Paredes was going to nail that kick just because it's Calgary, right? And then this week, they get to the fourth quarter. It's a rebuilding year. That's it. That's it. It's a rebuilding year. They just Please do, because they're they're screwing screwing my head. And a coaching staff that's top notch. You know, so they're doing well. They're not as mentally flawless as they have been years past. There was the run out of the end zone. There was a there was a couple of miscoverages in this game. Is in the fourth quarter. You know, the the mental lapses are there. However, I believe no, that the coaching staff is still that's for sure. The game. They're trying. It's just you know this is what a rebuild looks like in the twenties, I guess. You know, again, they had that steady three, four years where they're just getting picked apart by the NFL, by the other teams, especially in this COVID offseason. You know, lost a good, like, what, 10, 12 players, uh, quality players, you know, off their final roster. Um, it's just, you know, this is what a rebuild looks like in the 20s, I think, in the CFL. Uh, they could, They could well finish fifth place in the West. Okay, well let's go through let's go through their I, I was just scrolling through their schedule as we're talking here. Next week, return game at Edmonton. Next the week after that, week seven, at Hamilton. Right. Bye week. Hosting the Riders 
in Week 9. Mind you, they're 1-3 and three at home and 0-3 against the division. At return visit to Is Regina, home and home, uh, the next week. At BC, which nobody tends to play all that well in BC, even when BC is not that good. Uh, no, it's <laughs> it's more of an afternoon game. That might help them. But then again, home to the Riders. Yeah. At Ottawa, so, so no. bye week. Yeah. Um, and then a real bye week. And then at BC again. Like, they're... they're uh, there's really no easy games on that schedule. Like uh, all the way through to the final hosting Winnipeg again. Of course. Where Ottawa's the one game yeah. you're looking at and yeah, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, one. this is the first but time in a while. Any of the time. others, you could see a reason when, to lose, which a lot of positions. When you're, ca- field, when you're Calgary, that's really, really weird. Would not necessarily start for other CFL teams. Well, I think that's a great segue. Let's go on to next week's games. We're going to do this little musical bridge while I get fed up. Cheers. And while he's getting set up, I'm going to go drink away my sorrows and grab a beer. (laughs) Okay, and on week six, or as we like to call it here, the sixth week of futility in CFL Pickle. Let's talk these games. Hamilton Tiger Cats, three-and-a-half-point favorites at Toronto Argonauts. I expect, Joe, you're expecting more of the same and then some. I think so. Maybe not and some. I think Toronto is much more competitive early in this game. But given that Arbuckle struggled last week and wasn't the starter right off the bat to begin with, it makes me. It really makes it hard for me to go. Okay, I think they can go a step further and win this one. I think it's close. I think they defend their home turf tenaciously, but I think Hamilton wins. Whether or not Hamilton wins uh, enough to cover the spread, hmm, I wow. can't say that for sure. But I, I I can't go far, that far and call it a Toronto win. It's going to be Hamilton. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I kind of like your argument covering that spread because that means a close game. Three and a half points is not a lot in the CFL spread, that's for sure. Uh, let's see. I Okay. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go out on a limb. I'll pick Toronto. I mean, a lot of this is wishful thinking, but I'll say Toronto wins. Um, I don't really have too much rationale for that, except that I think on these back-to-backs, you know, it's just in general, it's just hard to win both of them. Um, unless the talent gap is just massive. Where is my back-to-back against Ottawa? <laughs> we we should have one, right? In Montreal, we should have a back-to-back against Ottawa if we played them this week. But we get the bye week this week. So I'll go with Toronto on the week to, to, to make it interesting and, uh, you know, just to break up that 2-0. I should probably be doing the same. Yeah, I might as well. With Saskatchewan, a two-and-a-half-point underdog at Winnipeg in the Banjo Bowl, closing it out, closing out this bad fact. Um, 
yeah, I'm going to take Saskatchewan for the win. I just believe that, you know, last week was an aberration. Last week was an aberration. I think Cody Fajardo should show more than he did last week. Uh, hopefully the Riders, learn, well, hopefully for my pick, the Riders have learned from their mistakes. I'll take the Riders. I think it's close enough. I think that the two-and-a-half point, calling the Bombers a two-and-a-half point favorite when the when you basically get three points for being the home team is completely right. disrespectful. <laughs> You're basically saying the Riders are a favorite on a neutral field, right. and the Riders haven't scored 20 against Winnipeg in the last two seasons. Uh, I've got Winnipeg in this one. I, I don't know if it's a blowout. Uh, like last year's Banjo Bowl was, or last season's Banjo Bowl was, which was fantastic to see in person, and unfortunately I will not be seeing this one in person. Uh, but I do think they 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 protect their home field, they make the Riders' offense miserable, and make the call-in shows after the game in Riderland just a complete shit show. <laughs> well, I like those bonus predictions in there. Uh, what do you suppose the odds are on Minus 220. <laughs> yeah, folks, I, I, folks I, I, making a shit show. Minus 220. Yes. <laughs> it, it won't be that hard. <laughs> Over, under, number of minutes after game, 13 and a half. <laughs> right. Um, okay, it seems to me that in the Saskatchewan Winnipeg back-to-back, in the Edmonton Calgary back-to-backs, it seems to me that it tends to go one game is low scoring, one game is high scoring. So bearing that in mind, I'm going to go against the expectations and say that this one is the scoreboard spinner that I expected last week. And I'll take the over on 38.5. I think this game is better than 29. To, this, this would be 20 to 18 if you also take into account the point spread. So I think it's going to be higher scoring. I think we should see some touchdowns, uh, despite the Winnipeg defense. Okay, going on. Here's another one. I don't know why they insist on doing this, but Calgary plus a half a point. So Calgary is half a point underdog at Edmonton. Gee. I'm actually tempted to put real money down for once. And if you've seen my pick-em record, that would be – no, 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 no. They're they're basically you're basically saying uh, that they're darn near the favorites with that, and they've not shown any reason to be the favorite right now. Yeah. It's like those those last two those last two spreads are just plain disrespectful. <laughs> Unless well, they're, see, I think again they're betting on the splits. They're betting on the splits of the of the back to backs, right? Sure, but then they're also betting against the home team. Yeah, both both of which played really well on the road last week. You're expecting both of them to lay an egg. At home. At home. Against well, a team that they just beat relatively handily. I'm not saying it, either of those games was a complete blowout or anything, but it was comfortable in the end. Okay. Okay. But Edmonton hasn't been very good at all. No. No. <laughs> Damn. Uh, okay, so you're you're gonna take Edmonton. Okay. I'm taking Edmonton, and I'm right. sitting there going, "Hmm, I don't even have to lay any points." <laughs> okay. I, since you were actually talking about betting money on this, I don't really want to jinx you. 
I'm no, not sure right. what the no. best way. To the the moment I start doing that, yeah, I might as well just sign my own divorce papers. So no, <laughs> just that's just not a thing that I will do. But those lines make me go, hmm. If I actually did, okay. So let's say that you went to like Montreal, right, with your wife, right, and there's that swell casino in Montreal. It's like one of the best bitchiness casinos in the world, right? It's in Montreal. You mean to say that if you were like on vacation or something, your wife wouldn't let you make like a fifty dollar bet on a football game? I might make a five dollar bet just because. Wow, really? But wow. no, wow. I would just rather not. I would just rather not go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, Thank deal you. with that discussion. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I right. Hear you. I hear you. I'm very. <laughs> Plus, right, so I guess... have you seen my pick'em record? <laughs> How can everybody be so bad at pick'em? That's what I don't get. Everybody, there's not anybody I know. I think that has a winning record. That's it's like the game. first two weeks for Bizarre World, and then things re-corrected, <laughs> but everybody had overcorrected to begin with. Right, right, exactly. Well, nobody knew what was coming out of the year off. I mean, how can you tell? How can you tell? Some of these teams are completely recovered. You know, how could you tell? Right. Um. Okay. Well. Gee. Well, you know. I'm I'm gonna go against you then, Joe. Just to keep things interesting. We're now completely opposite after agreeing completely last week. So yeah, again, I'm I'm believing in the split. I'm believing in the visiting team. I know I just said Calgary is a rebuild. I know I just said Calgary's fifth in the West, but if Joe is also telling you that Edmonton is not the third best team in the CFL, then they're gonna lose games like this once they are. So you have seen my pick'em record. That's why you're going to get every pick I make. That's actually probably a wise decision. <laughs> I should keep track of how we go on this. Uh, maybe I'll go back and look at it. All right, and finally, here's an easy one for you. Wow, closing the week on this, huh? Ottawa, six and a half point underdogs at BC. Is this disrespectful to BC, Joe? Hmm. <laughs> That's three and a half right. plus three point bump. Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> okay. So, no, I, I, you know, I, I really didn't want BC to have a bye week. I, I really don't think I figured out BC. Uh, I will say this: I, I, I bet that Michael Riley's having that bye week, and uh, he should come back strong this week. I bet they'll cover the touchdown. And then some in this game. I, I, this, this could be ugly. And I know that's, that's chalk talk. This will probably be the one where Ottawa wakes up and sneaks out a win, right? But I don't know. Nine games out of ten, this is a blowout. I take a BC by a lot in this game. Right. And it's a 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock PM start Ottawa time. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. That's seven on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeesh. Always take the West Coast team in that situation, no matter the football and, game. Always. And it's the third game of a triple header. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God, Saturday. Now, should I start filing the divorce papers? <laughs> well, I would say you could probably make dinner plans at about 7.30. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. And thanks to the magic of ESPN Plus, I can always get the game on replay, right? So, yeah, exactly. Uh, in any event, okay, Joe, how do you want to close it this week? Any words of wisdom for us? 
Well, so you've all heard my picks. My pick on record is seven and twelve, so take it for what it's worth. Okay, so eight out of twelve. That means two out of five. Well, see, in baseball, you're a legend. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be betting three seventy. Right, right. You're awesome as a professional baseball. I, it's just uh, every week that I do pick them. I, I I remember the Simpsons football episode where you had the guy that was pretending to be Jimmy the Great going. And if you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. And I'm like, that guy's good at what he does. <laughs> My favorite life of that is Lisa gambling is something daddies do to make football more interesting. <laughs> All right, going out on Simpsons quote, you can't really beat that. I'm Oz Davis, for my co-host Joe Pritchard. This has been the Rouge White and Blue CFL Podcast. Talk to you next week. Enjoy the games. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.